Well, I'll give you, I'll give you Howie's number. Okay. You call her. Okay. Well, anyhow, welcome back, Kimmy. Yeah. What's that? Welcome back. Thanks. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <coughs> give Grandma a little volume. Praise the Lord. There we go. We're good. Um, <coughs> reminder here, check your mailboxes for your Christmas cards. Anyone that didn't get a list and wants to give out cards before Christmas, we have some extra copies here for you to give out cards. And I did say there's plenty of cards downstairs. You don't even have to buy the cards. Just go to the box and you'd have them free. So there's plenty down there if you want um, to give out Christmas cards. We did vote last Sunday on what to do for New Year's, and everybody on here picked that Friday. I forgot to look at the date. What would the date be? <coughs> December 31st? Yeah. The 30th is Friday, 31st is Saturday. Okay, so New Year's Eve is 31st, right? Right. Okay, so it would be that Friday, the 30th. Okay. We're going to meet here downstairs. Now, are we doing the potluck thing? Does everybody want to just do a potluck thing? Just have fellowship and pray in the new year is what we're going to do. We're not going to have a service service. We probably so, won't be here because butchering. So butchering, yeah, you told me that. So, would you, we want potluck or what do we want to do? Yeah. Sounds good, doesn't it? I think it'd be fun. We haven't had a fellowship like that. Uh, you know, for a long time, where everybody just makes something to bring it. Okay. All right. So we'll decide who's making one. And then the 23rd, of course, is the candlelight service. And um, so don't forget that because uh, we are going to try to have a little program. Got some singers going to sing. In spite of their crooked their voices. <laughs> so you're going to sing solos. She is going to sing. She is. So, uh, yes, yeah, so let's do that. All right. Uh, we missed the, because um, we were downstairs, so I guess that's why we missed it. I don't know. The um, coin drops. So if you have any coins or something, or some bills, put them in there. We need to get our savings built back up with them. Giving out a lot and not a lot coming in, so we gotta get that built back up there. Berlinda's uh, allergies are very, very bad. That's why they're not here, she said. She said she thought she just first day in. She said they're getting the best of her, so. Is that like? Yeah. <coughs> just turn upside down. Is that There's equal to? Is that equal to PMS? I don't know. I have no, not a clue, at this point. I guess everyone knows Judy had to move. Uh, those that don't know why she's not here, she will be back to Pennsylvania, but for a temporary, she had to move to Virginia with her friends because uh, they sold the house she was living in, and. Um, She's working a, working to get on Section 8 and that so she can get a place up here of her own. But she said she will be back, so just keep her in prayer. She doesn't want to be down there, but she had nowhere else to go. So. I spoke with Sean finally. It's been a long 
I was going to ask time. you about her. I see her every now and then on Facebook, and that's about she, it. She called me last night. She said she finally got her disability. It finally went through, and she should soon be getting her paycheck. And she was in the hospital this summer, I guess, or her kidney, her kidney failure stage is between three and four right now. Um, but it's holding on its own, and uh, so she just. Is she still in the back then or no? She is, I think, in the process of trying to decide what she's doing. So that's going to be between her and I know she's doing. Yeah, well, if she, you know, if the Lord tells her then she needs to be here. But if not, then. I don't know how many remember Sean. Anybody remember Sean? She moved, had moved to New York. But uh, she was talking about moving back. She's still in her, her building up there. And, uh, she's hoping to get, once she gets her disability, she's hoping to move into a, maybe like another type of um, housing, but where it's more like a loft top thing where people share it, you know, and uh, it's not as rough as where she's living now. Yeah. Well, so if you ever think about Sean, remember Sean, pray for Sean. Yeah, Lord works things out in their in their life too. She, I think she got pulled out, got pulled up there. What do you want to say? Falsely? I don't think it was God's will at all. And I think she knows that. Anyways, we tend to do that. We tend to listen to other voices. We knew a guy in our former church that he had a good job at Harley Davidson, made good money, had his own apartment, had a nice new car, where everything was going great, and then someone spoke in his ear, convinced him to give up his apartment, quit his job, and go to down around the Eastern Shore or somewhere it was, to a campground and work. I was fallen fallen water West Virginia. Yeah. To a holiness campground. Yeah. And that's all phony to begin with. And he did that, and it, of course it didn't pan out because it wasn't God's will. He did not pray about it. You need to pray about everything, people. You get in a big time mess and wonder how you got there. Well, you didn't pray about it. Especially, and if you did pray, you need to listen to what the Lord's saying. Especially uh, major moves. Yes. Like job change, location of where you live, uh, your marriage, whatever those what things. What church you go to is important. Yeah, nothing but time. You know, it's like the enemy uses that against people. You have nothing but time. What's your hurry? Take your time and pray and search things out. You know, to know what kind of things you're getting involved in. Just don't listen off the top of your head. And, looks some hunky-dory fancy thing and then you find out it's nothing than what you've been told. Right. Make sure you know. I mean, uh, we married a young couple. They were not even married. They were going together. <coughs> and <coughs> we sit down and talk to them extensively of to be careful. We prayed for them to get a job. They both landed a good job at the same place. They didn't listen. They did exactly what they wanted to do. They didn't listen to nothing we told them. Did just all the opposite, and everything fell apart. They lost their new house, lost their marriage, 
lost everything, lost their job. The devil's a thief. He's a destroyer, and he don't care how he does it. He'll even talk in your ear through people you think's your friend, or they gotta be telling you right. They wouldn't steer you wrong, but if it's not what God says, it's wrong. Pure and simple. And a lot of times, a lot of people I don't think listens to like pastors listens to the leaders because they don't. They say, well, they're not telling me what to do. Nobody's trying to tell you what to do, trying to give you a, a godly instruction instead of just worldly instruction can get you into a mess. You need godly instruction to guide your life because a lot of times we lose things or we don't succeed at things because we do not listen. So you need to listen. You know, there's, there's people that's, your pastor's in the position he, he is in because he's been there. He's went through different things, so he knows. So when he tells you, he's telling you to spare you of that, not to cheat you out of something. But that's what a lot of people think. They think, oh, they, yeah, they just don't want me to blah, 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 do whatever, have whatever, whatever. But no, that's not it at all. You're trying to uh, uh, help people avoid things that's detrimental and it usually pans out. I think we even talked to uh, the guy at church and said about make sure you make sure that's the Lord telling you to go there before you go. But he didn't listen and went and it didn't even go a couple months. Came back, like they say, with his tail between his legs, tucked between his legs, because he lost everything and it didn't pan out because he didn't listen the voice of God now. Sometimes God's voice comes through your pastor people. Sometimes it'll come through your mother. Sometimes, you know, it'll come through a friend that loves you and really cares about you and they'll try to give you godly instruction. But if you don't listen, then you suffer the consequences. Everything we go through, we're going through it because of a choice that we made. The choice you made yesterday right. is what you're living today. That's true. So it's very important, you know. Bible says to get wisdom. To get wisdom. That means it's on you. Start getting some wisdom about some things before you just fly into stuff and end up in a mess. You know, wisdom. It's true anyway. <coughs> wisdom. <laughs> Now, we consider wisdom is not what the Bible's talking about. Wisdom is godly wisdom because God knows all things. He knows from right. the beginning to the end. He knows your life from the cradle to the grave. So he'll try to spare you from all the things in between. Only if you listen to his wisdom. He knows when, where, who, how. See, and he'll tell you those things in direction to guide you into the better things of life. There's a, there's a lot of people today that are paying for things that they got involved in. Maybe it was a person. Young people have trouble with this. They don't want to listen to mommy and daddy if they try to instruct them. Uh, that person's not good for you. You know, I can see that. You know, we can see because why? Because we're older, we've been there. We probably went through it, that's why we know it. See? 
and you need to listen to the voice of wisdom and, and age. That's, we already been there. You know, like Pastor says, I had 20 some boyfriends till I found the right one. He was 21. 20? <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta, you know, and there's many, there's many couples nowadays that are paying for children that were created during a time of, it wasn't God's plan. And they went with this person or whoever, got involved, and then the children paid for it. So, you know, you need to pray about stuff and make sure, make sure that God's telling you to do whatever. Or don't do it, or be with whoever, or don't be with them. <clears throat> it's not because uh, God's trying to keep you from having fun. He, he's a funny guy. In Isaiah it says, ho, 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 everyone that thirsts or everyone that listens. So God's funny. You know, he doesn't want to hurt you. He wants to spare you because he loves you. You know, and a lot of times parents do that too, but a lot of times kids don't want to listen and they get in a mess. So I know because I did it. I didn't listen a lot of times to my parents and... You know, and the kid, the kids, the give it a title. It's called nag, nag, nag. Yeah, I think mommy and daddy's nagging them, but that's not what it is about at all. It's all about love. You know, it's because of love that we do those things or try to. Uh, we got a new song this morning, so let's worship with this song a little bit. Trying to find some new ones for us.
you glad you're alive? Yep. Aren't you glad you're breathing God's free air? My goodness. God is so good. We can always look to the negative. We can always find something that don't suit us. Amen? Amen. But the key, the key being that we're alive. Amen. And we got the breath of life within us to worship His holy name. One day we're going to stand before Him. And then we're going to see him as he is. We only see him. We're obscured right now. He said it's like looking through a glass darkly. How many can remember the old Coke bottles that were like seven cents? <laughs> Did you ever, for whatever reason, as a kid or a teenager, look through the bottom of that bottle? Man, it looked like it was about that thick. <laughs> Used to have real thick bottles. Bottoms on the bottle. <laughs> you know, and those kind of things, as, as we were kids, we used to look at those things and think as you get older, you know. Like my wife was saying a while ago about <clears throat> your mother, your mother, I, I don't think there's one mother that actually <clears throat> brought a child into the world that didn't really actually deep in her heart love that child, even though she may have gave it away or adopted it out or whatever. That deep within her heart, God instills in every one of us something that attaches that mother to that child. And I don't believe that any mother would literally steer their child wrong. Amen? But... But, my wife always gets ahead of me. <laughs> but, if they don't intentionally mean to steer you wrong, and they have not been taught properly, I think, I was thinking back as I was in my office studying this message, you can turn to uh, your Bibles or your Facebook or your laptop, whatever you use. In Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. Isaiah 55. And as we read this, it don't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. The metaphor here is very simple. <clears throat> it's elementary. It's not difficult. Sometimes there's scripture in the Bible that is the simplicity of it is to help you understand or to encourage you. God don't try to discourage you by making the scripture complex. There are things in the Bible that has to be complex to get the point out of things that's going to be futuristic. There's a lot of things that we don't see now or understand now, but in the sweet by and by, like they used to say, you'll see why what it's all about. And you'll say, my, I never would have dreamt. <clears throat> you'll say to yourself, you'll be convinced that what God was trying to show you was not complex, it was not difficult. 
And this scripture is the same way, and I'm going to read them to you before I go any further. Isaiah 55 and 10, the prophet said, For as the rain comes down, now today's a good day to preach this message because it's raining. <laughs> and it's supposed to rain off and on this. And the snow from heaven, he tells you where it comes from. It's another one of God's blessings. The rain comes from God so that it can moisturize the planet for plant growth so that we have fruits and vegetables and things that we can survive by. But it doesn't stop there. He goes into detail and returns not thither or back to heaven from the walk to water the earth and makes it bring forth fruit and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. <clears throat> now, as you notice there, what the scripture is saying, we have to be a part of the process. God gives us the seed, but he's not going to sow them for you. You've got to plant your own field. You've got to sow your own garden. My grandson knows what that is, and he's got into that. The bird. The bird that flies to the ground. God provided the worms, but the word the bird has to go gather them up. Some of the animals that are now carnivores because of the fall, animals at one time all ate grass and plants and vegeta they were vegetative. But now because of the fall, they become carnivores and they survive off of other animals. <clears throat> we see it like, for instance, if the fox population gets overpopulated, the rabbit decreases. We don't see as many rabbits. <clears throat> but now, when we have trappers that trap the fox and limit the bounty of fox, the rabbit population starts escalating, and, we, and so on and so forth. But now listen to what he says. In the 11th verse, he gives you a metaphor. It's not difficult. If you understand that he sends the rain to multiply the earth to seed so that we can eat natural food. Verse 10 is talking about natural food. Say natural. Natural. Now also, verse 11 is talking of spiritual food. So there's two parts of you that have to partake. You understand that? That's not difficult. I have to feed my natural appetite and I have to feed my spiritual appetite. Both. And many people go unsatisfied because they spend their whole life, their whole life, seeking after creation instead of the creator. He made creation for us because he's a good God. He's a good heavenly father. But he didn't create just for you to worship the creation and forget about the creator who gave the creation. Amen? Is that simple? Not difficult. It's not complex. Not hard to understand. Very simple scripture. 
So he says, now he gives you the metaphor, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. Now God is speaking to you today through the minister. Now people will twist that and they'll accuse the pastor of giving hate speech, being arrogant, and being less thoughtful of the individual hearing the word that's being given. Now, let's picture this. We're in a ship. This is the ship now. So we're transforming this from a church to a ship. We're in a ship. And I'm the captain. And I'm in charge of all the parishioners. I'm to watch over your soul. To protect you. Tell you the truth. Take care of it. Okay? That's my job. And if I don't do my job, I stand before him and I give an account to him that I only cared about one thing. I cared about the materialism, the creation instead of the creator. Hello. Who all things exist. If you read Genesis, all things was given from the creator. He said, let there be light and there was light. Let there be moisture, and there was moisture. Let there be air, and there was air. Let there be vegetation, and there was vegetation. He, he spoke it. He was a God of faith, and that's why this Bible talks so much about faith. Because God is trying to instill who he is into us. <clears throat> that we become people of faith. Hello? <coughs> It's not about head knowledge. Head knowledge is education. We get education. We were taught from elementary on through high school and some go into college. And we get an education. But an education does not tell us what came before or what's going to come afterwards. We know not what tomorrow holds, in other words. Your education will not tell you that. But your revelation will. Got that? How many understand? Am I making this simple enough? Education. It's a heart religion, not a head religion. Head is religion. Heart is relationship. When you have a relationship with the Father, and you get to know the Father enough, you become like Him. Because it's from your spirit and not your head. How many is listening? You understand what I'm saying? And it's like my wife. After 55 years, I should know my wife. If she's down in the basement yelling at me, I know it's my wife. I know it's not one of my kids or the neighbor. I identify with her voice, right? Mm -hmm. She goes up in the attic and yells. I still identify with her voice. And that's like the father. We get so close to the father... And we laugh a lot of times when we watch those Christmas stories, how people think alike, and they even get ready to talk, they talk alike. Her and I have been together so long, and well, our dating process and everything will soon be 60 years. That's a long time to put up with somebody. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> 
But the process, we'll, we'll sit and we'll be in the living room sometimes and we laugh. I'll, I'll be thinking a thing and she says it. Or she's thinking something and I'll say mm -hmm. it. How many ever did that? That's how close God makes you to one. That's how he wants you to be with him, with the Father are one. He said, me and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one. The Holy Trinity is one. They think alike, they talk alike, and they act alike. If you read Genesis clearly through the first and second verse, he says, we, they had a conference in heaven. We agreed. Who's he talking about? It's we. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're all God. This is what can mess you up. The intricate detail of this is the three are one. They're separate representations of the Father, but they all carry the same principle. God wants you blessed. Jesus wants you blessed. And the Holy Spirit wants you blessed. God wants to heal you. Jesus wants to heal you. And the Holy Spirit wants you healed. He wants you to walk in hell. They all are one. The enemy come to divide or separate that. And he said, it shall not return to me void. That means somebody. Not everybody in here all the time that listens to the sound of my voice will receive what I'm saying. It goes over their head. Because their stomach is saying, I hope he hurries up, I'm hungry. And they think about the steak and the baked potato and the beans and the broccoli and, and all those little distractions. Or when we come to church, sometimes we hear one of the little ones who doesn't know any better. They speak out loud or they cry because they don't feel good or whatever. He'll use all those things to distract you so that you don't stay focused on what the minister is giving to you. And the word that's coming to you today is like the rain. The word is falling from heaven into your heart. You have to get it in your heart and not just your head. You have two sets of ears. Your hearing is for physical. You hear the sound of my voice. But your spirit has a set of ears that it receives and interprets what's being said or heard. How many got that? These ears here. The vocalization of my language coming from God the Father like the rain. And it's entering your hearing. But you're to let it go past your hearing like we say when Mother hollered at you. It went in one ear and out the other. It never got down in your spirit until Mother clarified her authority. And she used to call me Tommy. Go do this or go do that. And I just keep on going. But when all of a sudden, within a few seconds, my mother said, Thomas! You put on the brakes. Why? Because it went past your physical hearing and it got down into your spirit. And that's the way with God. God is trying to get a hold of your spirit today to let you know, do not do things or go places or be around people that you did not ask him. Because that's what godly wisdom is. God will tell you the true person 
that you're with, what their intent is. Huh? Mm -hmm. How many knows when two young couples go through high school and they get out and they start dating and the enemy tries to put one thing on their mind? It's called lust. Hello? Mm -hmm. Talk to me. Mm -hmm. We're all grown up, mature people. And lust is like my wife said, then you end up with the result of a choice you made yesterday or today will be the result of what's coming tomorrow. But those things do not go away. We don't wave a magic wand and want them to go away. How many of you ever had a document where you signed your John Henry on the bottom of the paper? <clears throat> it used to be one piece of paper like this. <laughs> And now it's about that thick. <clears throat> and you sign 15 times. And we don't, we don't bother reading if you remember a certain uh, candidate in the government said, just sign it and we'll read it later. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I don't have to name any names. Because I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just trying to make a point. He said, it shall not appoint, uh, uh, return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. You hear that? God's telling you positively his promise. And Jesus gave us a promise in Hebrews 13 and 5. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You can't run and hide. How many knows when Adam, <clears throat> the first man, when he disobeyed God's command, who can tell me what the first thing Adam did? What was his first response? Other than you, I know you know. <clears throat> who can tell me what was his first response? He hid. Now, why did he hide? Fear. Fear. He knew he was wrong. Where did fear come from? Disobedience. Through him. He disobeyed. The enemy used his disobedience. The fear originated from the adversary, but it, it originated through Adam's disobedience. Mm -hmm. See, he'll speak to you or cause you to do something you shouldn't do. How many's listening now? Mm -hmm. And because you yield to it, and James, another scripture tells us in James, temptation is not a sin. In other words, when he come and told Adam to disobey God, that was not the sin. The sin was when Adam yielded to what the adversary told him, mm -hmm. which was contrary to what God told him. Now, God's telling you things today. All of us, he's telling. It's falling on your ears and hopefully not deaf ears, mm -hmm. which gets down in our spirit. And a lot of times that's as far as it goes. And when you read the Word, you're to pray. You're to pray while you're reading the Word because you do not receive the understanding. You say, God, I don't understand what I'm reading. Who was it, the Ethiopian <clears throat> that ran after Philip's chariot in the book of Acts? Philip ran after him. Or Philip ran after, yeah. yeah. He ran after the Ethiopian who was riding in the chariot. I got that backwards. How'd I do You've that? been around me a long yeah. time. <laughs> You're always saying how to do stuff backwards. Now you do it. 
And he ran after him because the Spirit of the Lord was telling him that the Ethiopian was searching. People are searching. That's why we see now in the latter last years of television, we see all Star Trek and all those funky... Uh, come on, somebody give me some of the names. Uh, what's that? Star Wars. No. What's that? The blue people. Oh, I don't know. Huh? Avatar. Avatar. See, I don't know because I don't watch that stuff. But all those things are are it's not so far fetched as we think it would be. What it what it's really representing is the heart of man is searching. He's searching for something he thinks is out there, but he don't know what it is. Not all people, but most people. They're searching because they don't know there's a God that loves them and a God that gave himself for them so that they don't have to go to eternal punishment. There's a great big invisible sign that says, why would you be punished? Because you've been pardoned. And people don't see the sign. When you go past the road signs and you see Jesus saved, that sign is saying to you, you've been pardoned. You've been pardoned. You've been forgiven. All you have to do is seek for him. So all those phenomenal things that we think are so phenomenal are not. Because these movie producers are searching. They know there's something, but they don't know what the something is, most of them. And you know, for God to get his word out, He's saving people in Congress. He's saving people on the school board. He's saving people for the reason that he can spread the word. He's saving people in the arts profession. There's many areas that God is saving. We've heard of different movie actors who got born again and they changed their representation of who they are now because something happened on the inside of them. God came to change and he says there in the 11th verse, my word will not return to me void. It seems endless. It seems like forever. It seems like we come to church Sunday after Sunday and a lot of people think they got to go to church three, four times a week. God did not create church first. He created the family. We need to spend time with our families, representing the God of creation, the Creator. <coughs> I didn't swing from no tree. I didn't crawl out of a pud muddle. But that's what science would like you to believe. And science has become so powerful that ought to get you to believe they are correct and we are wrong. I got news for them. When I was 18 years old, I found this God that seemed phenomenal to a lot of people. He didn't come in my head, he came in my heart. And he began to shudder my innermost being because my other set of ears grasped what the Word of God was saying as, and as the minister ministered the moisture of the Word 
was moistened my heart and heart. My heart and heart was to sin and all the things that I've done in the past and to think in my mind that this God would love me so much that he would wipe my slate clean and forgive me of all the little white lies, the big lies, the in-between lies that we ever told. Hello. Mm -hmm. The falsification that we made to people. We told them something that wasn't true. We'd done things that weren't proper. So what the Word is telling us that Adam, he went and hid. Now come on, let's be real. Hide from God? The Word says you can go to the bottom of the ocean. You can go under the mountain. You can go out to the depths of space. And you cannot get away from my voice. You'll hear me wherever you go. Because people are trying that. They're trying to hide. What do you think they're spending trillions of dollars to go to the moon and go to Mars? Because when they mess this world up and this planet is about to explode, they want a place that they can hide. Who's, who's they? The people that caused all the commotion. Guess who they're going to leave here? You and I. Going to be too expensive that most of us cannot afford to get there. But I got, but I know someone. His name is Jesus. He's my liberator. It won't cost me a penny, but just a moment of time to ask Him to come into my heart and forgive me for the way I live and change my lifestyle. It's that simple. And He's coming again, just like He promised. And we're going to leave this planet. We don't need no rocket ship. We don't need SpaceX or whatever it is now that they're trying to, they put all the uh, uh, rockets in mothballs, what are they called, the, the ones they used to use, two of them blowed up and two of them, they put in mothballs. Space Space shuttle. Huh? Space shuttle. Space shuttle. <clears throat> two of them blew up because of man's error, killed a lot of people. Two of them they put in mothballs. Now wealthy people are experimenting to fulfill that. And that's okay. God wants us to expand. It's not the wrong with expanding our mind as long as our heart is not evil with it. Why do you want to have the things you have to keep up to the Joneses? Huh? Have a bigger house, have a better car, have all the bells and whistles. Or do you just want to have it for the right purpose? Long as it has you and you don't, as long as you have it and it doesn't have you. I remember when Pastor Judy and I dated. And I idolized, I have to use that word and use myself. I idolized classic cars. I did whatever I could do to purchase my next classic car. And I'm talking like the 50s and 60s. I had many of them. I had many of different cars from different manufacturers. I had Pontiacs. I had Chevys. I had Fords. I had many different types. And the thing was that when the enemy beats the trap, he gets you into the position where you do it again and again and again and again and again until <coughs> it absorbs you 
and when it absorbs you, that's when he sets the trap to suck you in to causing you to be in the error. And I got to when I just saw the collar of a classic car, or I saw the fancy wheels, or the high performance engine, or whatever, that drove me in. It drove me in easier, and it got easier and easier and easier to get rid of, to sell the one I had and purchase another. No matter what the cost was. But the Holy Spirit is faithful. The wisdom of God. If you ask, it's the principal thing. Wisdom will show you the when, the where, the how, and the who. That's what it'll do. If you ask. But if we don't ask, God's not going to show you. It's not magical. You have to ask. And when you ask, He will show you. He'll say, don't make that call. Don't see that person. Don't hang with that individual. He'll tell you those things. He'll speak to your heart to spare you. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. But it's only if we want to catch the, the idea of the principle, the metaphor, what God's trying to say. And just as his word is coming down today in this room, in this ship, I'm the captain of the ship. Any one of you that leans too far over the edge and loses your balance and falls in the brink, come on, I'm at least following me now. You fall in the brink. The catch is you don't know how to swim. I'm the captain. So I have the life preserver. My job is to save you, to throw the lifeline, to pull you back in from the brink. Instead, like society would name me and say, the lifeline that I'm giving to people every Sunday to pull them back from the brink of drowning, they're saying it's hate speech. I'm being arrogant. I'm being controlling. We had one person bother. I ain't coming back. You're too controlling. When the person doing the speaking, they were the controller. And the enemy lied to them, thinking that I was throwing them an anchor instead of a lifeline. So people get angry and people go away. And a lot of people ask me, where are the empty seats I was listening to? Where are the people that fill the empty seat? And I was listening to a minister the other evening, and he was speaking about that, and he said that he has uh, pages, a ledger, full of names. <laughs> and then he stopped and laughed. He said, actually, I could write a book of the names of people who walked out of my ministry, he said, because they were disturbed that I was throwing them a lifeline, but they interpreted it, I was throwing them an anchor. How many understand that? Am I keeping it simple enough you understand? In other words, if, if I throw you as a captain, I throw you of the ship, I throw you an anchor, I'm going to help you to boom, 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 boom. Okay? 
but I throw you a lifeline and pull you out of a situation that you're helpless in. And just like the individuals, they get a mindset and they say, well, you're not controlling me. Hello? Mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not trying to control you. I'm trying to spare you from a lot of things I went through as a youngster. In my young life, the things that I reaped what I sowed. Nobody else is going to reap it. My wife's not going to reap what I sow. She's going to reap what she sowed. But it was amazing. The great transformation. That's why I tell you, I'm not who I used to be. Can you say that? Let me see your thumbs. Where's your thumbs? Now you may not be growed. I'm not talking about equalizing or comparing yourself to another brother or sister. I'm talking about you as an individual. I'm not who I used to be. Now point your finger. I'm not who I want to be. But I'm a work in progress. It's 24-7. You notice the title of your message? Christmas. I had my stenographer break that down. It's Christmas. They tried to take Christ out of Christmas and they put an X in there. And a lot of people picketed Walmart because Walmart started to do it on their Christmas cards and everything else. And then they changed that. The managers and stuff got together and said, we got to put this back the way it was. So they started to put Christmas on things instead of Xmas. The public rose up. See, when we rose up, when we get sick and tired of being sick and tired, we rise up and begin to speak against those things that are not so, the era. We were saying the other day, my wife and I, as we were praying, we were in the office studying, and I said that we're thankful that our, our kids are all graduated now. Uh, because they're indoctrinating children. The other day, they had an individual, she was 14 years old, to go and make the decision. See, it's demonic. It's not the child, it's not the parents, it's not the school system. It's what the adversary uses. He uses these tools. These tools are at his access, and the world is making it easier for him to do so. She made a decision without her parents that she wanted to change her life. She wanted to become a man instead of a woman. But now she's so sickened by what she has to go through or what she already went through that she wished she could go back and change. There's a lot of things we wish we could go back and change, but we can't. That's what Jesus come to help you to do what you can't undo. He will come and make it right for you because of his love. His never-ending love wants to go back and help you. But you've got to make up in your mind that his word's not going to return void. That that word today will sink down in your heart. And as you pray, when you read the word, God said if you pray with a thirst and an earnestness from your heart, God, help me understand this word that I read. When you read it with your knowledge, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
You will read about Jesus. You will read who he was and what he done. And you will start to draw this analogy. And in your spirit, you will become, when you pray for the understanding in your spirit, to become like him. And the devil will say, well, you can do it. Mommy won't know. Don't tell mommy. Don't tell daddy. But there's one that's all-knowing. He's all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows the thoughts of our mind and the intents of our heart. And like Adam, he did what he was told not to do. God said, don't do this. And the enemy tricked him to use one closest to him. He used his spouse to trick him because the spouse allowed the toll of the enemy to trick her. He sinned with his eyes open. He did it because he was told not to. The first thing he did was blame his spouse. But he, did, he committed high treason because God already told him what not to do. That's why it's important we listen to the voice of God. Speak to our spirit, church. Listen to what he's saying to your heart. Don't go there. Don't hang around that individual. Don't do this. Don't do that. He tells you that's what he tells you for. Because he loves you and he doesn't want you to falter or fail. Because he's coming. He doesn't want you to go through the tragedy. Turn with them to Mark 4 and 20. Mark 4 and 20. And this is talking about the sowing. I'm sowing. I'm ministering. In case you don't know what I know. I'm the farmer. I'm sowing seed. Spiritual seed. That's what I'm sowing to you. The metaphor is of the seed. But this chapter from 14 to 20 is talking about the heart. It's talking about the different hearts. Why they don't receive. And he tells you there's three unfruitful hearts out of four. Only one heart is fruitful or matures. Because the other hearts of the individuals allow all that garbage. I've had a person sit in church, sit under the gospel, the good news, and they never growed because they sit there and looked at everybody else. I don't care about everybody else. I care about me. I got to care about myself. I got to care about when Jesus comes and my rapture ready. I don't need to just get ready, but I need to stay ready. And I need to quit worrying about the apocalypse and worry about the tribulation and worry about the Antichrist because I don't plan on being here. The Bible clearly teaches you that. You're not going to be here for all that garbage. Now for your education, yes, it's okay to read it. It's okay to understand it. It's okay so you know. But that's not where we focus. We focus on Jesus said, I go away. And the same way you saw me go, you will see me come. So our spiritual eyes are going to look and we're going to see him in the hemisphere. He's not going to come to the planet. 
So you got to get that understanding because this world has not been changed yet, just the hearts of the believer. So we're going to be sucked up to meet him. That power, that resurrection power that raised him out of the grave is going to raise you off this planet. Unless you're in the tomb, it's going to bring you out of the tomb. <coughs> Verse 20. And these, it's talking about the hearts that listen. He said, my word will not return to me void. He's talking about hearts that listen. Are they which are sown on good ground? Your heart is not distracted or waylaid by things. Yes, it's nice to have a nice bank account. It's nice. It's okay to have a good house. It's okay to have a car and a good job and nice clothes and fine friends. There's nothing wrong with that. God is not saying that. But he's saying those things cannot be a distraction where they hold your heart from getting the word of God so that you can develop the kingdom of God within you. He said, don't look here and there. That individual used to come to this ministry and because they had their eyes on everybody else, they quit coming. They tried to run and hide because the conviction of what we preach convicted their heart. And when you don't obey, this is the part you have to understand. When you don't listen and don't obey the word, it goes back to a void and it comes to someone else. What you need to hear will go to someone else because your heart has been distracted. What's he do? He tries to get you to stub your big toe before you come. He tries to get the water heater break so you can't take a shower with warm water. He tries to get the stove not to work so you can't cook breakfast. He'll try anything he can do to distract you. You cannot allow those distractions to stop you. One person had asked me about when we used to have severe snowstorms back in the 40s, 50s, sometimes 60s. I, I lived in the house for two weeks. You didn't go outside. You couldn't go out. The snow snowed all night long as big as 50 cent pieces. All night and all day. All night and all day. All, all night and all day. For a week. And the snow was like six to eight feet deep. And it blowed up against our storm door. We tried to open our front door and couldn't even open our storm door because there was a wall of snow blowed on the porch up against the, we couldn't even see the, the light bulb that protruded out of the roof because the snow was that deep. You had to get a spatula. You had to get a big size spoon or something, start digging your way out so you could get to where the shovel was. Couldn't even use a shovel because you couldn't even get to the shovel. And then we had to block the snow up. The electric went off. We had no electric, no heat, no running water. People say, what do you do? You make a path and you go down to the creek. You step in the freezing cold water with your bar of soap and you take a bath. Take your towel with you because if you don't, you'll be icicles coming back. And you get a bucket of fresh snow that was not yellow. <laughs> and you would melt it on the little space heater that we had <clears throat> it would make a hot cup of chocolate so we could toast our bread on there or something that we had something to eat but we survived 
You had to be a survivor. And people today do not know what that is. If their car don't start, they have a fit. If the lights go out for an hour, they have a fit. Come on. Ours in the last year or two did it several occasions. They have one transformer to, you hear this pop! And you know right away in your mind what it is. And you watch the lights and they go, ooh. <laughs> and they go dim and you're sitting there saying, how long is it going to be? It comes back on. But you light a candle. Huh? You light a kerosene lamp. You have all those on hand. You have a bunch of extra batteries for your flashlight. You have a bunch of blankets. And you be prepared. You don't wait till that day comes. You prepare yourself. Don't wait till Jesus splits the eastern sky. Get prepared and stay prepared. He wants you to read the word. You need to know what the word says. Don't allow the enemy to lie to you and deceive you that you're too busy. I go to bed sometimes or I have a busy day and I don't read the word, but God wakes me up at midnight. He wakes me up at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. This morning I was up, I was up, it was about 1, 1 17, something like that, and I didn't go back to bed or lay back down until like 5 o'clock. I was reading the word. I was feeding my spirit man because I didn't have time in the day to read it. I made time. I made time. God woke me up. He's been waking me up for the last month and a half, two months. Every night. Non-fail. He is faithful. He'll, we will, he will wake you up. And these are sown on good ground such as hear the word. Say hear. Hear and, that's a conjunction, receive. Say receive. Receive. And bring forth. Say bring forth. Bring forth. Okay, you see what happens? There's a progression. You hear the word. You got to process it. You got to receive it. And don't go away and forget today what you've heard this morning. To where it produces fruit. The fruit is maturity. How many in here raised children? Did they stay a baby in the crib? They went from infant to adolescent, from adolescent to adulthood. There's a process that that baby goes to. And some of them, they overgrown, so. You hear that? From an infant to an adolescent, to an adulthood. That's the way we're supposed to mature as Christians, spiritually speaking, so that the word does not return to God void. Many people come to church, they go away dissatisfied because they hear, 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 and never process. They go home and they go right back to their lifestyle and they never process the word that they heard. The word has to get into the un... <laughs> what do you want to call it? Like a junkyard. Our hearts become junkyards. We load everything and anything in there that we forget what the Word of God was. We go home and say, now what was the name of that message Pastor preached? Christmas 365. 
means Jesus is there every day. He never changes. He said, I never change. I stay the same. Is this all right? Is anybody getting anything? So you get this down in your heart and you start processing it and you start reading it. And then when the opportunity comes in your lifestyle, and it will come, the enemy will come to get you to fall overboard. And you need that lifeline. And pastor is sending you the lifeline. It's Jesus, your liberator. Jesus, the jubilee. He's the restorer that changes you. Now, how many can say since you come to Christ, something in your life has changed? Your life is different. Can you raise your hand and say, he has changed? Okay. Now, don't you want to go into more? Do you want to stop there? Do you want to go into greater depths and deeper heights from faith to faith to faith? And with that faith, gives God the glory. He said, I'm a jealous God. Don't give your glory to Uncle Tom and Aunt Judy. Give your glory to God who used Uncle Tom and Aunt Judy to help you. You understand the difference? Don't give your glory to Pastor Tom or Co-Pastor Judy. Give your glory to the God, the one who gave them the message to tell you. Do you know there's a lot of churches right now all over this neighborhood, different denominations, and you know they're telling people what man wants them to hear and not telling them what God wants them to hear? And all you've got to do is open your eyes and see the parking lots are full. There's a church right up over the hill here. Most denominations are accepting it now. They're accepting the homosexual to put him behind this sacred death. This is a sacred death. We're to represent Christ. Christ was not a homosexual. It was an abomination in his sight. But that's what all the churches are receiving now. And you realize year after year after year, from generation to generation to generation, Israel, when they refused God, they said, let our sins, Listen to what they said now. Let our sin, they said it to the prophets, let our sin be upon our children and our children's children. That's into the third and the fourth generation. Those churches that are promoting that are promoting from the sacred death that it's okay, and yet God said it's an abomination. God abhors it. For man to be in love with a man. Woman to be in love with a woman. God, it's God's word. It's not pastor's word. I'm not throwing you, uh, I'm not throwing you an anchor. I'm throwing you a lifeline. I'm trying to keep you from drowning in the sea of sin that's in there. Because this book says man's heart is growing evil continually. Amen. It started, now it's, it spread to the Presbyterian, the Lutheran, Church of Christ. It spread through all the churches. I had a special paper drawn up for this that there will never be that be allowed in this because God called me. If they tar and feather me, if they close the doors, if they lock me in prison, I will not go back on what this word said. 
if I'm hated in the town of Redline and all the rest of the denominations mock me and make fun. They want you to hear. The enemy wants the church to believe just like he lied to the first man. But the second Adam came, the second Adam came, the second Adam came to reverse all that. Do you hear me? The second Adam came in the manger. He was not born on a throne. He was in the manger. He was with the cows in the barn. He became humble so that we become humble. So that we will not esteem ourselves, our education, our high standard of living. And Christ will raise you up. Look back during the Obama area when in one swipe 600,000 people lost their job. You lost yours and you come to us and ask us to pray. The next day you landed a job. Correct? Yep. 13 years later, 15 years later, you still have the same job. Yep. And you've had five, six promotions. That's what the Christ will do. But it's a cost. It's a cost. You have to let the lifeline, when you're drowning in this sea of society, let the lifeline be thrown out to you. Let your minister minister to your heart. Let him minister the truth. It's the truth that sets you free that you know. What do you know about the truth? And when I came to the little assembly of God, I heard the truth. And the truth melted my hard heart. And the word came. And it watered my heart. And I began to cry. I didn't know why, but I began to cry. And God began to melt my heart because the Holy Spirit was doing. Because He said, I didn't know the Scripture existed then, but I know it does now. Where He said in His Word, He would, He would, He would that none perish. Did you ever drive past all the churches and see all the cemetery stones, the markers of dead people? Did you ever wonder how many of them people died and went to hell? Did you ever contemplate just a little bit of how many of those people were not told the truth? I was raised as a little boy, four or five years old, and I had my little three-piece suit. And I was taught that I had to be baptized to go to heaven. That's what they told us. And yet that word, as I read it, I found in there, baptism does not. Say, does not. Does not. Wash away the filth of the flesh. Wash away the filth you can't, of the flesh. You can't get no plainer than that. I can baptize you till you turn blue. I can baptize you till your skin gets all wrinkly. I can baptize you till your hair falls out. And you're still going to be a sinner. That's what it's saying. Don't wash away the filth. And yet they drawed that doctor out of Jesus as when he was 13 years old. He took the doctrine of Bar Mitzvah as a Jew. We're not a Jew. We're Gentiles. We're not Jews. We're Gentiles. That's all other nations beside the Jewish nation. And Jesus went about his father's business in Bar Mitzvah. He went from a young boy to a man. He went to an adulthood. And they think they've drawn that 
that the denominations say if you get sprinkled, I got sprinkled. I knew what was in my heart. And when I left that church that day, as 13 years old and got sprinkled, I just had wet hair. Come on. There was no change. I still went out. I still cussed. I still smoked. I still lied. I still did deceitful things. I was not changed because the heart was not changed. We allow those things to clutter our heart. But we need to make up in our mind, Jesus is coming soon. I have a book I was reading on the Antichrist. A lot of people that mistaken what the Antichrist is. And I remember my wife's one uncle, her dad's brother, came to their house one time and back when Ronald Reagan was president. Mm -hmm. He said, did you look at Ronald Reagan's name? It's Ronald Wilson Reagan. Sick, sick, sick. Each digit in his name had six digits. That's not what it means at all. That's not what it means at all. He was one of the better presidents we had. We need many more like him to change this nation the way he did. He hollered to Gorbachev, Gorbachev, bring that wall down. Now it's not his voice, but it was God who amplified what he said. And the wall of communism came down. But other people would like to erect those walls. You meet people in your family that you've seen for years. And they come and the first thing they do is remind you of things you did. Or things you said. Hello. I had a cousin that moved down into Washington State. And I didn't see him for 50 years. Him and I are the same age. I'm, I'm a couple weeks older than him. I was born in September, he was born in November. But we're, we're basically the same age. And he was coming in to Pennsylvania and he wanted to get us all together as a family. And he told my sisters and them in particular, he wanted me to come because of him and I being the same age and not seeing each other. We hugged each other and we had our meal and the first thing come out of his mouth. The first thing. He didn't say anything about knowing I'm a minister, knowing I preach the gospel, knowing that we have a church. Not one word, how's the church gone? Not one thing. One thing. Do you remember first thing he had to remind me after 50 years of what God forgave me of? Hello? Are you listening to me, church? He didn't throw me a lifeline, he threw me in that old anchor and tried to drown me in the sea of society. Folks, the Bible teaches us that many of Jesus' disciples left him because they were offended. They left him because of his message. They saw his message as an anchor instead of a lifeline. And many of them, it says, went away to follow him no more. Now, they were disciples. So what do you think? Do you think eternal security is a doctor? You're not eternal security. You're sealed, you're washed by the blood, and you're on your way to heaven. But the Bible also speaks of backsliding. You quit praying, quit going to church, quit reading the Word, 
quit witnessing for God, quit paying tithes, doing whatever God calls you to do. It's part of your principle. When Harley Davidson, when I filled out my application, I didn't go in one day of work or one week of work and receive a paycheck and go home, prop my feet up and keep receiving paycheck. They sent me a pink slip and said, I no longer work here. Hello? It's a way with heaven. You've got to follow him. When you've got an earnestness in your heart, you've got to ask God for the thirst and the hunger to draw closer and closer and closer. Let's bow our heads. You take that lesson home and read over it. I identified what the scripture is saying, so it's simple. Read the scripture first. And I gave you the interpretation. Jesus promised that he never leave us nor forsake us. That's part one. But it's a two-part covenant. We have to promise not to leave him. That's the catch that many Christians are sitting under false doctrine and they're not telling you that. They say no man can pluck you out of his hand. No man can. But what it's saying you need to read between the lines. But you can walk away. You can run and hide just like Adam did. The first man did. He ran and hid. And God asked him why are you hiding? Because I was afraid. <coughs> Condemnation comes into our heart. Because we don't ask God to forgive us for what we do. We need to be big and bold. Two people my wife and I ran into about a week or two ago. And they looked at us kind of funny. You know they're guilty. I have to laugh. People try to hide. Like Adam did. They try to hide. And the one, the one came up past me. We were in a restaurant. They, come, they went... Like this, patted me on the shoulder and had their head down. They couldn't even look at me. Come on. That unforgiveness turns into condemnation. You're guilty. You're guilty. I'm not guilty. They like to let the pastor look guilty all the time. I didn't throw you no anchor the whole time you came to my ministry. And they came here probably 20 years. I didn't throw you no anchor. It's your mindset that receives that. I'm throwing you a lifeline today. I'm telling you how to keep your hand in his hand. I'm telling you how to be rapture ready. I'm telling you how to stay rapture ready. I'm telling you that the enemy is deceptive. No man can take my salvation. They can chop me in little pieces. They can run over me with an 18-wheeler. Don't matter. Give my body to be burned. They can't take away what's in my spirit. But I can forfeit it. You can forfeit to serve God. And that's what Adam did. He forfeited to be God's son. He forfeited to follow him anymore. He forfeited to follow him and read his word and obey his word and be a child of the living God. Let's stand to our feet today to honor him. Once you lay your hands on your spirit, man, that's the real you. You don't see the real me and I don't see the real you. Only God does. It's a spiritual being. The real you lives in here. There's a seed of passion and desire. 
And you've got to ask God what is on that seat. When I come to Christ at 18, 19 years old, I had something else on the seat of my heart, and it was idolization of classic vehicles. I love classic cars. I, I'd leave church and go out there and see a classic vehicle. My eyes was, whoa. Boy, I wish I could own that one. Boy, I wish I could own that one. Hello? And it became to be a part of me instead of me a part of it. And when Christ came in, he took that away. And I had this little little album. It was where uh, we had the Polaroid. They used to take instant instant photos. And I could take an instant picture of all the cards I had. And I had the little photo album about so big. And I say it was in the hand of God. When we moved the last time when we built our house, somehow between that house and the new one, that album was lost. It disappeared. I don't remember letting it lay. I don't remember dropping it. It just disappeared. And I believe, Dan, I believe my Heavenly Father took all that, wiped all that out of my memory. Took all that because it was part of my heart. And took it out there. That I would not idolize and I never bought another classic car after that. God can remove the thing. He can remove the sin from the sinner. He loves us. He loves us. I, to this day, I spend, what, 40-some, 50-some years. I, I truly believe, I said, you have to settle in your heart. But I believe my Heavenly Father loves me that much. That He knows till I became strong enough, till I became word-filled enough, till my heart was absorbed by Him enough, I couldn't get those cards out of my being. They were in my mind. I'd sleep classic cards. I'd think classic cards. I'd work classic cards. I'd go down the road thinking, oh, there goes another one. Because it became a part of me, and that's what idolization is. It becomes part of you. And God had to rid me of that if I'd ever fulfilled the mission that he called me to do. And that's to throw a lifeline to many that sink. I want you, as you have your hand on your spirit, say, Father, Father I thank you so much today. That you're a part of my life. That you're the major part. And I do not want to allow anything in this life that I obtain. Whether it's my house, my clothes, my bank account, my job, my vocation, to become a part of me. I want you and only you. That I serve you with all of my heart, with all of my mind, and all of my strength. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. And I give you all the glory today. And thank you for coming to this planet to change me. And I am looking forward to go to be with you one day real soon. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Now think about what you prayed. Think about it deeply in your heart. I forgot to receive the tithes and offerings. She forgot. I completely she forgot I got to pay the bills Monday. <laughs> sorry. I'm a sorry. Are you sorry too? If it, let the Lord speak to you. If you have a little something extra, we would appreciate it. I know God will appreciate it. But you can throw something a little extra in the basket. I don't want to make you feel guilty. I'm not trying to put a guilt.